Good morning. My name is Andy Nelms, and I have the privilege of being the pastor here at Thrive. And, and I just want to take a moment and welcome you to worship. I want to th- welcome those of you who are on Facebook uh, this morning. I want to welcome the, uh, the Weetos, Lovelesses, uh, the Whites, the Fries, Gary, Scott. I want to welcome you to worship. And um, also, I uh, want to welcome my mom to worship, uh, Linda Young. Uh, my mom is here worshiping with us, so um, excited to get to uh, worship with you all this morning. I want to welcome you, especially um, if this is your first time with us. Um, I, I know that it takes a lot to try new things and uh, to kind of dip our toe in the water, and so I want to welcome you to worship this morning. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, we are continuing a series um, this week called In the Midst as we've been reading through the book of Daniel together. And, um, and, and I want to encourage you, if you uh, have a Bible with you, uh, maybe it's a Bible app or maybe it's you know, kind of a hard copy Bible, I want to go ahead and, and just um, invite you to take that out. And, and uh, we're going to be in Daniel 6 this morning. And uh, it's kind of in the later half of the, the Old Testament, kind of the first half of the Bible. And just invite you to, to be there. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, um, you know, it, it really helps to, to read through our Bible, right? We don't get points for having a Bible on a shelf. Um, I mean, maybe you do, but like half points, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's really helpful to actually read and, and use our Bible rather than just, you know, let it sit there and collect dust. So I want to encourage you to, to use it this morning. And, um, as I've, been, as I've been praying about Daniel 6 and, and as I've been, you know, kind of reading through this passage, I've been thinking a lot about um, the term practice, right? Um, practice, you know, uh, actually just earlier this week, um, I went and uh, went to a doctor's appointment and uh, it was a physical, just kind of a normal routine checkup and um, doctor came in, asked me some questions and then, and then she left and then she said, you know, somebody's going to come by later and, and draw my blood. And so I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm usually pretty good with needles. And, and so, um, you know, the person came in with a little tray and all the little things. And uh, she was there kind of talking to me and, you know, had me roll up my sleeve and, and had me put my arm out and, um, you know, and got the needle out. And I looked away and, and she did a great job, right? I mean, you know, got the, got the vein on the first try. Um, you know, it barely hurt. You know, you're always kind of nervous about those things. You never know how well that's going to go, if they're going to have to stick you a couple of times or do whatever. But she did a great job. And, and uh, so, so she got the vein, you know, and started drawing the blood. And, and, I, and I just made a comment. I said, wow, you know, you're, you're really good at this. I said, it's almost like it's your job or something, you know, kind of in a joking way. And she said, no, I just answer the phones. And, you know, it was one of those things. It was like, I, I was not expecting that at all, you know? Like, no, I just answered the phones. And I said, well, you know, I'm glad you told me that now, right? Like, after you stuck me. And she said, well, you didn't ask. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it got me thinking. Like, this obviously was not her first time to draw blood. You know, like, like this thing had taken practice to get to this point. And, and, and I think that that's true with a lot of other things as well. That, like, anything worth doing takes practice. You know, anything that, that's worth doing that, that's really meaningful takes practice. And I, and I think faith is the same way, that I believe this to be true, that faith takes practice. Faith takes practice. To, to believe, um, to, to put our belief into action, that takes a lot of practice in our lives. And, and some may say, may criticize, well, you know, if faith takes that much practice, then then maybe you really shouldn't believe in that thing. You know, maybe, maybe it shouldn't take practice. And I don't think that's the case because, you know, like working out takes practice. 
right? Like, like eating healthy, living a healthy lifestyle, all of that stuff takes practice. And I think faith is the exact same way in the exact same category as all those things that faith takes practice. Maybe you've had experience with things that have taken practice in your life, right? Maybe, maybe it was your education. Maybe you learned something early on in your education that you've used over and over and over again throughout your life. And you've watched how that thing that you've had to practice has now paid off later in life. Or, or, or maybe it's a technical skill, right? Maybe it was a, a, a skill in your work or, or, or maybe, um, you know, fixing something in your home or whatever it is. You, you learned something and then you practiced that thing. And now that thing that you learned has paid off later. That practice that you put in has, has paid off later. That, that faith takes practice. And, and I think that not only faith, but our, our normal everyday life as well. Faith takes practice, but why should we have faith in the first place? Well, I believe for a couple of reasons. One is this, that, that faith is the power uh, to tap into something greater than ourselves. That we as Christians believe that there is something bigger, something greater that is going on around us. That, that God is active in our world and that through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's actually this greater power that we can tap into through faith. That, that faith is that process of tapping into that thing that is greater than ourselves. And, and I believe this to be true as well, that faith happens when our belief is put into action. Let's leave this here just for a minute, Jackie. And, uh, faith happens when our belief is put into action. That, that when we believe something, it's not enough just, just to believe it to be true, but to act like it's true. Right? It, it, faith is not how many hours you prayed this morning. Right? Faith is not how many hours you prayed this morning, but, but faith is how that prayer has caused you to look more like Jesus. Right? Faith is, is not how many chapters of your Bible you read, but how that reading has impacted you and blessed your neighbors and your friends and your family, those people around you, that because you have engaged in this spiritual practice, it has actually benefited the lives of the people around you. That's what, what faith is. Faith is this belief that is put into action. And, and so many times we've gotten this wrong. So many times we've, we, we've narrowed it down to a set of, of, of practices, a set of things, maybe even seclusions, things that are done behind a closed door, that this is my faith and then everything else is my life. And I believe that this faith exhibits every part of what we are. That, that faith is our belief put into action. And I think we find this um, no greater example than in uh, the book of Daniel. Right? So, so the book of Daniel is um, written during what's called the Babylonian exile. This was a time whenever the southern kingdom of Judah, um, whenever the, the, the people of Israel in Judah um, were taken away from their homeland. They worshipped in the temple. That's where God was. And, and this opposing force, Babylon, came in, um, uh, sacked the temple, destroyed it, took um, the majority of the people out and, and forced them to intermarry into their own country so that they would lose their heritage and this is the context in which Daniel is written. And we hear about this hero of Daniel that preserves his people in a number of different ways. And not only him, but his, his friends as well. These people, they preserve their heritage in a number of different ways. And God shows up. 
And they put their belief into action. And we read that Daniel's actually really successful at this, right? In Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, we read this, that soon Daniel distinguished himself above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to appoint him over the whole kingdom, right? That, that Daniel was actually doing pretty well. In, in fact, so well that the king was going to appoint him over all the other people. Can you imagine how frustrating this would have been as one of those presidents or satraps, those religious leaders is what that satraps re- refers to. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? You've been putting in the work, right? You've been doing the thing. I've been here. And here Daniel comes in from, from the country that we conquered and you're going to put him over everything? That's not going to happen. And so these, these presidents, and these satraps, they conspire, right? They, they, we'll get there in just a second, Jackie. They conspire against him. And, and so they start to make this plan and say, how can we find something wrong with him? And so they start to search. They start to look. But they can't find anything. Daniel, in fact, is pretty clean. You know, there's, there's not a lot of skeletons in his closet. And, and so finally, they get frustrated enough, they meet with each other, and they say, you know what, if, if there's going to be something wrong with him, it's going to be between Daniel and his God, right? That's the thing that's, that's different than the rest of us. He has this, this different relationship, this, this different practice. And we notice that he worships three times a day, he prays three times a day to his God. If anything is going to be wrong with Daniel, it, it's going to be this relationship between he and his God. And so the, the presidents and the, and, and the satraps, they meet with the king and, and they try to get him to say, okay, look, here's what we want you to do. We want you to establish this worship of yourself. For 30 days. Have, have everyone in your land worship you for 30 days. They don't tell them why. They don't say because we're trying to conspire against Daniel. But they say, look, you are just a great person. Everyone ought to worship you for 30 days. And so we read that this is exactly what happens. Um, in verses 6 through 7. So the presidents and satraps conspired and came to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. Right? All the presidents in the um, all the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance, enforce an interdict that whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for thirty days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the den of lions. Right? They, they kind of lay it on really thick, say, You are you are great. And all of the people around you think that you ought to be worshipped for thirty days. And the king agrees. And so he, he passes this decree that everyone should worship him. Why does he do this? Because of this simple truth. That it is easy to become the object of your own faith. It is. It is easy to become the object of your own faith. You should believe in your own abilities, right? You, you should believe in, in the gifts that you have been given. You should absolutely believe in those. But if we start to believe for a second that we can control things that we simply don't have control over, like what other people worship, like what other people do, when we start to believe that we have these abilities that are actually greater than we actually have friends, that's when we become the object of our own faith. And it's destructive. Friends, it can, it can destroy our lives, our relationships, our marriage. It can destroy so many things about us when we become the object of our own faith. Exactly what happened to King Darius. 
he passes his decree and he says that everyone should worship me for the next 30 days because it is so easy to become the object of our own faith. And so the king passes the decree and, and Daniel, even though he heard it, he faithfully disobeys. We read about it in, in verse 10. It says that although Daniel knew the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in its upper room and open toward Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him, just as he had done previously. Right, that, that Daniel had prayed three times a day, even before this moment, got down on his knees toward Jerusalem and, and prayed three times a day. He had done this all up to this moment, and he wasn't going to stop now. I think this is profound for a couple of reasons. One is that when that, that, that Daniel needs to practice his own faith, right? The, the reason that he prayed three times a day is because he needed the practice. He, he is practicing putting his belief into action. That, that he is using this as an opportunity to build his own faith up so that he can leave that room where he is worshiping and go and actually put his faith into practice. This was not where his, his faith, his belief put into practice ended. It's where it began. Right? Our, our faith does not end when our devotion is over, right? Like, you may say, you know what, I'm going to wake up 30 minutes early and pray this morning. That is great, but that is not where your faith ends, right? Your faith continues when you talk to your children, when you talk to your boss, when you talk to your neighbors and your friends and your family. Your faith is active in that moment. And some might say, that's where our faith matters, that that whole prayer, that whole devotional time is so that I can be more graceful in those moments. So that I can have the, the, the fruit of the Spirit in my life. So that I can be more loving and faithful and peaceful. That, that I can be more generous in my actions. That I can, I can be all of these things because I practiced this faith here this morning or this evening or or I read a part of the Bible that reminded me of the goodness of God so that I can put that goodness of God into action. Friends, your faith does not stop. And I think a lot of the reason that maybe people don't follow Jesus has nothing to do with Jesus. Right? If, if you talk to somebody and they say, you know what, I, I really don't believe in Jesus. I, I really don't belong to a church home. You might ask why. And I would venture to guess that, that 90% of the time, that answer has nothing to do with who Jesus Christ is and has everything to do with what Christians have done. I say, well, why don't you believe? And they say, well, because I, I heard about people saying that they are, follow a loving God and a forgiving God and a justice-filled God and that I don't see it in their actions during the day. That maybe I even... I, Grew up in a home where we talked about the forgiveness of Christ, and, and I didn't hear the words, I forgive you, very often in my own home. Friends, our faith does not stop. It permeates every bit of our life. And that is true, no one else more than in the book of Daniel, where Daniel is praying on his knees three times a day so that he can practice his faith. And, and I think it's profound as well because Daniel is, 
Daniel is, is putting his faith into, into practice. He is continuing this work even after the king gives this edict. Even after the king puts a decree in that says that everyone ought to worship me. Daniel continues this practice. Now that's what faith is. Faith is continuing that practice. Eugene Peterson calls it, calls it a, a long obedience in the same direction. I love that. A long obedience in the same direction. Faith is not a one-time thing. It is an every-moment thing. It is a long obedience in the same direction. Well, well, Daniel prays three times a day, even after the king gives his edict, and the presidents and the satraps are watching, right? Maybe they're perched up somewhere else so that they can see through Daniel's window, and they, they know that he's going to go do this thing. And so they watch him. They, they watch him pray towards Jerusalem. They watch him openly disobey this order that the king gave. And then they go back to King Darius. And they do kind of this mischievous thing. They, they, they ask Darius about the edict that he gave without ever mentioning Daniel. Because they know that Daniel and Darius had this relationship. And they say, uh, King Darius, you made this decree uh, that everyone should worship you for the next 30 days. If anyone were to disobey that, what would you do again? And, D- and Darius says, well, of course, I would, I would throw them in the lines. And they say, good. We saw Daniel praying to his God. What will you do now? And Darius is distraught by this news. He has this relationship with Daniel, and, and he doesn't want to do this thing. But now he has to fulfill this command that he gave because he was the object of his own worship. It is now leading to the destruction of his relationships. And so Darius does, he, he gives this command in verse 16, the king gave the command and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you faithfully serve deliver you. Leave this here for just a second. May, may the God whom you serve faithfully deliver you. Now some commentators have said that this was kind of an act of sarcasm. That, right, that the king was, was mocking Daniel and his God in this moment. But I wonder what if Darius was so impressed with Daniel's faith at this moment. That, that, I, that I wonder if, if Darius was so impressed with Daniel's faith at this moment that he was starting to believe. And was actually wondering if Daniel's God would show up in that way. That's what I believe happens whenever we do this thing that, that Daniel in this moment is combating injustice with faith, not more injustice. Combat injustice with faith, not more injustice. That whenever this happens, right, Daniel is brought before the king. We don't read a lot of things that, that Daniel is trying to openly defy the king, is trying to maybe even battle the king. What we see is that Daniel steps into this moment of, with faith, not more injustice. What does this look like in our own lives? Well, I can tell you what it looks like in my life. You know, I have, um, I have three kids. And the two youngest are, are four and seven. And every once in a while in my house, there's a fit that happens. Right? There, there, there's, you know, something that happens whenever um, one of the kids don't get their way. Right? And, and as kids do, there is there's a fit that occurs. And, and maybe you know what this is like. Maybe it's happening in your living room right now. Right? But... but Here's, here's what I know in that moment is that if I were to fall down yelling and screaming and crying myself in that moment, it would not help the situation. Right? That would be combating injustice with injustice. But instead, what we're invited to do is combat injustice with faith. 
not more injustice, and, and I think it looks different in everybody's life. For some people, it looks like political engagement. For some, it looks like civil disobedience. For some, it looks like marches. For others, it looks like holy conversations with their friends and their family. The important thing is that it is a faithful act. That if it comes from a point of faith, it actually has the opportunity to bring change in our world. How do we know this? Because it's what happened in the story of Daniel. Daniel combats injustice with faith, not more injustice, and he's thrown into the lion's den. He's thrown into the lion's den, and, and, and Darius is distraught, right? He fasts all day. He goes to bed that evening, and, and, and early the next morning, the scripture says, before the sun rose, Darius jumps out of his bed, and he runs back to the den. They had rolled a, a, a large stone um, in, in front of the, the hole where the, where, the, um, where the lions were, and they had thrown Daniel in and closed the stone, and, and, and so Darius goes to the stone, and he yells through the stone, and he asks that question question did the God whom you serve faithfully deliver you did it happen did your God show up in the way that we thought he would and and Daniel responds yes the angels have shut these lions mouths they cannot consume me and they quickly pull Daniel from the lion's den they celebrate that this thing has happened And then Darius celebrates this news in in a very peculiar way. He gives this edict throughout his land. He had given an edict that everyone should worship him for 30 days. And now he gives something different. He gives something different. In verses 25 through 26, it says this, that the king Darius wrote to all the peoples and nations of every language throughout the whole world. May you have abundant prosperity, he says. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people should tremble and fear the God of Daniel. I think this is profound. I think this is important for a couple of reasons. One is that this king, this foreign king, has now believed because of what Daniel did. And he is compelled, he is so excited by this news that he gives this decree. But I think it's interesting to think that, you know, he he gives this decree, and we read about it in in Scripture, but but we we don't have a lot of evidence that people had immediately converted in that moment. Right? Like, we don't get a lot of news that, that all of a sudden people just came to faith in that moment. Why is that? I believe because of this, that, that people don't believe what you say, they believe what you do. People don't believe what you say, they believe what you do. That, that I believe that when this miracle happened and Darius saw it. He was so moved to faith and he confused this thing for just a minute that that people don't believe what you say, they believe what you do. And so he gives this edict, he gives this decree, but I don't think that because Darius gave this decree, a lot of people came to faith. Because people don't believe what you say, they believe what you do. Friends, if we tell people that we believe in a loving God and a forgiving God, then we better put that love, that forgiveness into action. And I hope that we would do it enough that we would put that love, that forgiveness into action so much that people would ask us why. People would start to ask us, why why do you forgive me? Why do you do this? Why do you love me? Why do you... 
why are you in relationship with me? Why do you help me? Why do you do all these things? And when they ask us about that, we would get to tell them in that moment about the love, the forgiveness, the acceptance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because people don't believe what you say, they believe what you do. It is easy to talk about Jesus. easy to talk about Jesus, to tell stories about him and talk about things that we've read in scripture. It is difficult and it takes practice to put the teachings of Jesus, to put the life of Jesus, to act in the power of the Holy Spirit, to do all of those things. It is more difficult and takes practice to put that into action. And so those are the things that I want to encourage you to do this week, friends, I, I, I want to encourage you to, this week, to practice your faith. To practice it. And, and you might just start praying now, God, how do you want me to practice my faith? Maybe, um, maybe you've been a Christian most of your life, you know, and, and you've got some really healthy habits, some really healthy practices, and, and, and you might just ask God what that looks like in my life. Or maybe you haven't had practices of faith. You know, you haven't had these kind of devotionals. You haven't had this time of prayer or scripture reading. I would encourage you just to start. Start anywhere. And one of the places I would encourage you to, um, to start is to simply pray once a day. Pray once a day. Whatever that looks like for you. Maybe you wake up early. Maybe you do it in the evening. Maybe at noon. Maybe when, you know, the kids are doing online school. Whatever it looks like. I would encourage you just to pray once a day. And, and one of the things that I found really helpful in my life is, is to use this thing. It's called the, the Daily Prayer app. Uh, um, it's on my phone, and, and um, it, it's been really helpful for me. Uh, it has different times during the day that I can pray. It has little reminders that I can set. It does all of these things that it helps me. Helps me pray. It has scripture reading. One of the really powerful things is that it has um, prayer or confession in it so that I can actually confess my sins before God, which is not something I would normally do without this. This application. And as you practice this prayer life, I would encourage you to practice something else, to be invitational in your prayer life. To be invitational in your prayer life. Uh, here's what that looks like for me. Um, you know, all of us are home, uh, in, in our house in my home, right? Like, like all of us are, are quarantined. We are all there. The kids are doing online school. My wife is um, doing online uh, seminary at Perkins. You know, we're all home. And so um, whenever I get a chance to, to do my prayer, I, I will do it. Every once in a while, my kids will run in, you know, and they'll say, what are you doing? And I have a couple of, you know, options in that moment, right? I could, I could gripe at them and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm doing my prayer, you know, like, like, get out. But again, our faith is our belief put into action that this prayer should actually make me a, you know, better person. And so I, I fight that temptation to be grouchy and I instead practice invitation. And so I say, hey, I'm praying. Who do you want to pray for this morning? And they'll maybe list some people, or, or maybe they say, you know what, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll come back later, you know. But to practice invitation, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's when you're praying at work. And you might just on your way in say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray for the next 10 minutes. Is there anything that I can pray for? Or maybe if and when, you know, you start going back to restaurants and you might know that you're going to pray over a meal and you might just ask your waiter or waitress, say, hey, you know what, we're going to pray over this meal. Is there anything that we can pray for in your life?
And we would be invitational in those disciplines that we create in our own life. And friends, the last thing I hope you would do is that you put your faith into action. That whatever you do, that prayer would empower you to put your faith into action. That what you believe about God will be put into action. Pastor Scott Luganbill and myself had the opportunity to talk to somebody from Ginghamsburg at Methodist Church in Tip City, Ohio. We learned in that conversation that Ginghamsburg has a motto for their church. And it's, we love Jesus and we do something about it. We love Jesus and we do something about it. Friends, that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. And I look forward to creating it with you. Will you pray with me? Wherever you are, whatever that looks like for you. I I know there's a lot going on in your house right now. Maybe you're doing dishes or or, uh, you're up and around. I just invite you to to stop for just a minute. Just take a deep breath. There's a lot going on right now. Maybe your house is chaotic. Maybe... Maybe your world is chaotic. Maybe the news that you read this morning was chaotic. Maybe the decrees made that are in opposition to your faith. Maybe you're struggling this morning to to find that compulsion to pray. I invite you just to stop for a moment. If you would close your eyes. Take a deep, cleansing breath. God, we invite you to speak to us this morning. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would move in our lives. God, there's a lot going on in our life. There's many things that would seek to distract us. There were many things that would seek to alter our worship, to alter our faith. And God, I pray that you would redirect us to you. You would turn our hearts and our minds, our occupations, our thoughts. You would turn all of that to you and your kingdom. God, we pray for those who are hurting this morning. Those who are ill and waiting in need, who are wondering if they're going to get better. Those whose homes and livelihoods have been destroyed by storms and hurricanes. Those whose relationships are suffering. Redeem it. the God of redemption. Bring it to new life, God, because you are the God of new life. And may we, by the power of your Holy Spirit, put that into action. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.